here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Low Profile. This is Mark Lee Morrison, and I'm joined today by engineer Miles Rosati. Hey, y'all. And first timer on the show, Jason Lee Peters. Hello. Hi. Uh, we're talking this time about someone named Susan Cadigan. She is a recording artist uh, based out of Kingston, Jamaica. I think I've got that right. And back in the early 70s, she had this number one hit called Hurt So Good. of reggae is a bit different from what was going on um, in the scene there in Jamaica around this time. I know that a lot of it was getting more political or a lot of uh, Rastafarian themed songs were coming out at that time. And she became part of a little subset of reggae artists uh, and the they called this new offshoot of reggae lovers rock so um it harkens back to reggae's predecessor rocksteady in that it's a little bit more r&b than um you know than the heavy like bob marley kind of sound and then uh rocksteady came out of ska music which was a little earlier. And ska kind of came out of Calypso and Minto and other like West Indies little brands of music that were happening. And it all kind of accumulated here in the early 70s with the lover's rock sound. Um, and then many years later, Sade released an album called Lover's Rock that sounded nothing like this but still pretty good yeah it's pretty good i'm a big i'm a big sade fan so she can do no wrong in my opinion but susan man i when i first heard her i was just like this is this is something special i i hadn't really heard anything like it i mean it it did like kind of have similar vibes to like toots and the may towels yeah um like just kind of fun, like sunshine reggae, I guess. And um, and and I'm sorry, I'm not like a super expert um, in the field of reggae music, but I do know 
uh, I, I'm I'm big enough nerd to know that this album was produced by Lee Perry, yeah, Lee Scratch it. Perry. I saw that, yeah. And uh, the band on the album is his band, The Upsetters. Oh, is that right? So that's probably you know plays into why it's pure gold whole way through um this is another favorite track of mine off of that album and it's called if you need me and we're gonna go ahead and hear a little bit of that My first impression of her stuff was a very positive one. Yeah. And I feel like for the longest time, I couldn't find anything out about her on the internet. I mean, I guess this is like before Wikipedia was a big thing. And, you know, just how, like... How did you first hear her? Um, my friend Matt just like found her CD used like a used like British import. And I don't know where he found out about it, but... I just found out about it uh, riding in his car with him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had to have, he, he made me a tape of it. Was this the early 2000s? It was, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about predating Wikipedia, that must be like 2003 or four Yeah, or somewhere around there. Back, back yeah, about 03. Yeah, maybe, maybe like. somebody had a blog spot or some articles written about him or something. But besides that, yeah, no, just had the music was, still. She, like, didn't exist as far as Google was concerned. Um, and I somehow managed to, uh, well, you know, now you can find her music on Spotify, like multiple albums. She, she did some stuff in a, she did an album called soulful reggae that had a lot of like classic R and B covers on it. Um, in the early nineties, like maybe 1992, and the production on that one is quite different. You know, she's not working with Lee Perry anymore. Um, but it's it's still good. And her voice sounds, uh, you know, I, I think her voice is just sort of what drew me into the music and her inflections on certain words. Much more to say. I can't let you go. Ooh, every time I 
So I know from very recent research, uh, she had kind of a musical family apparently because her mother, Lola Cadigan, released some 78s in the 1950s. Oh, wow. Um, of like uh, devotional songs. Huh. And um, still in Kingston? I believe so. I'm not totally clear on that, but I have a feeling we're going to find out for sure. Uh, but I want to play a little bit of Lola Cadigan's music. It's definitely not reggae, but I think the, you can hear the production maybe carrying on into totally. further into the future of the family. Uh, this is Lola. <laughs> traditional folk sort of sound. Yeah. Was that? Uh, That's Susan's mother, Lola. Lola. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It? It's very, yeah, it's very eerie. Yeah, she's ethereal. got quite the vibrato. Yeah. She's not slowing down on that vibrato. Very, very busy tonsils. Yeah. Um, she's got... Some uh, so Susan had a few other albums come out that I'm aware of. I was able to track one of them down. Uh, you see that one over there, Miles? I sure do. I was looking at it um, when we came in, doing it her way. Yeah, doing by, it her way by Susan Catagon. And uh, that album is, I found it. It's it's like really lush string arrangements and like kind of like big band sounding horns. No heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Imagine no. I'd say the album is maybe about 40% like just plain like you know soul with like kind of a like almost like a later Motown vibe oh wow and then the rest of it is reggae but with these like really elaborate arrangements and the the cover is great Susan's like sprawled out on some kind of like pillow or something like that. And then there's a couple palm trees that are uh, silhouetted by moonlight. And there's a couple little uh, lovebirds or love something. Birds, yeah. Yeah, on the, on, the, on the branch there, right yeah. in front of the moon. In the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's mostly covers, isn't it? We were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's mostly covers. I'd say I'm familiar with about half of the tunes on there. She does a uh, 
Imagine by John Lennon and Something by the Beatles. Um, and then, let's see, what else is on there? Can you reach that from here? Got We've got on side one, Hurts So Good, Say a Little Prayer, Ghetto Cowboy, Imagine. Ghetto Cowboy? Will You Love Me Tomorrow? I'm guessing that's by the Shirelles. Uh-huh. Uh, swinging on a Star. Um, I Can See Clearly Now uh-huh. on side two. That's a real popular song in the reggae world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let Me Try Again. Uh, something. Uh, Love Me Baby. How Do You Feel the Morning After? And closing outside two is Call My Name. Yeah, I think about half of those songs were written for this album. And then, uh, you know, the rest was, you know, songs that she wanted to do her own way. This is a really cool album cover. Yeah. There's a big number four on her chest, but I think somebody else added that. Yeah, I don't, I was wondering, I I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's part of the cover problem. It looks like a fat Sharpie did that. I don't know. I might look it up. Yeah. Okay. Hard to say. It could go either way. But anyways, Susan Cadigan, uh, these days, she lives in between Jamaica and Florida. And right now, she's in Florida, and she's awake. And uh, I think I'm going to give her a call, because I also have her phone number. Oh, wow. And uh, just find out, find out more. What's this lady's story? Yeah, let's talk to Susan. Okay. Is it a landline? I'm not sure. Yep, here she is. Hello? Hello? Hi, is this... I don't know what happens when you call and I answer. I can't hear anything. Oh. And then it says, call not supported or something. But it's okay, I can call you. Okay, good. Yeah, we can hear you mm-hmm. just fine. Yeah. Well, I'm... good. So this is the Susan Cadigan. Yes. Am I saying your name correctly? <laughs> well, in England, they always say Cadogan. Cadogan. But it's really Cadogan. Cadogan. Yeah, Susan Cadogan. Well, can we call you Susan? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I'm I'm Markley, and I'm here with uh, my friends Jason Hello. and Miles. Hi. Oh, hi, night. And uh, okay. Yeah, I we we actually we just listened to a recording of your mother Lola, and uh, okay, yeah, we did which it. one was that? The one in French? Yes, it was. Or it was the one in French. Mama dites moi. Yeah, I, I think maybe your brother might have posted it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he made those from cassettes. Those were recorded without like proper mics and stuff like that. That was just recorded by a 
a tape recorder in an open ear. Oh, wow. And oh. Paul, Paul, Paul put it, I don't know how he got it, on a CD. Yeah, all the things. We have quite a few of her, of her recordings on that he transferred from the cassette to the CD. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. they sound great. Like, yeah, really, really, uh, yeah, production-wise, it sounds nice. I like it. They sound very alive. Yeah. And, yeah, she has yeah, an incredible it's, voice. It's just open air with a piano playing and herself singing, and it's being taped like those old-time cassette recorders. It's not like you're in a studio with headphones and mic and stuff. There's no mic apart from the mic picking it up in the recorder, in the tape recorder. Right. Because yeah. I saw them like way back in the 80s or whenever, you know. Wow. Long nice. ago. Mm-hmm. Now, was but it, she was a trained singer. Was she an influence on you? Did, yes. Well, from from when I was little, I remember her always singing. And she used to sing some really beautiful lullabies to my brother Paul, who came 11 years after me. So... And at that age, I had started liking music. I used to listen and sing along. So I learned the lullabies, and I used to sing him to sleep. And I was fiddling with a piano and stuff like that. And eventually, I went into the choir at church, because, you know, my father is a, a minister, a Methodist minister. Mm-hmm. So, so, well, she, she sang all the time. She used to go to, like, choir practice and sing with the... Why choral group with a philharmonic orchestra. Sometimes some visitors from Canada would come and she would sing and she used to have um, solo parts. So she was always singing. But, you know, she sang um, with this... You know what I mean? Yeah, the vibrato. <laughs> I, yeah. Vibrato. Yeah. She, um, but she used to sing her so good with me all the time, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's yes. great. Now, did... I couldn't sing like her, but she could sing my songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must have been fun. How how did you get from uh, the choir to working with Lee Scratch Perry? <laughs> like in my early teens that was in Jamaica Coke Coke Methodist Church downtown and I really have never I don't remember ever saying I'm going to be a singer and want to sing and I'm going to try and find a producer and thing I used to just sing around the house and sing with my records at night to exercise until my good friend my best friend her boyfriend introduced me well, she introduced me to her boyfriend, who took me down to Lee Perry to record a song for him. Because she told him, you know, Anne, Anne is my real name, Anne can sing. So he gave me a song to learn, that's Love My Life. My very first recording, Love My Life, Love of My Life. Oh, yeah. 
and he took me. Yeah, it sounds well with a kind of xylophone, kind of very pretty, pretty. Mm-hmm. So the producer that took me to a studio to record it, and I I didn't even know I was in the Black Ark. Because the Black Ark of Lee Scratch Perry, he took me to to record Love My Life. And that's where I met Scratch, and he asked me to sing If I Knew Her So Good. So, of course, I knew it because I was always singing and listening to the radio, but mostly I was into, like, the Motown soul music in a rather than reggae. That comes across, so, yeah. Yeah, so when I said, yeah, I know it. So he played the thing and he said, go and try it. You know, he asked Jerry if I could try a song for him. In fact, his words were, Jerry, lend me a singer now. So I went and sang the thing and he said, yeah, man, that's how I want it, man. Go and sing it again. And I sang it again and, and that's how I recorded her so good. And he said to me, that's Perry. You know, I really like your voice and stuff, and I'd like you to sing more for me. And he gave me some little cassettes to go and learn songs. And of course, I was excited over the moon. It didn't enter my head. That, uh-huh. Listen, you're recording music and contract and whatever. It didn't, it didn't occur to me. I just took, from then on, I just started going to the Black Ark every weekend, and I'd sing and sing for, for Lee Perry all the songs he gave me to learn, you know, top of the pop, Cratch and song, Hurt So Good, Hurt So Good was the second song I recorded in my life. Wow. And nice. it just, boom. Yeah, it blew up really big, and especially in England, right? Yeah, well, well, reggae music, I don't know, UK and Europe have a feel for reggae music. They love reggae, ska, rock steady from way back. From Millie Small went over there with my boy Lollipop and stuff. But sure. I think when she was there, I don't know if they didn't have this BBC show, Top of the Pops. But it's like I remember them saying to me, like, as the first black girl, young girl coming on. Yeah. And every person in London was watching that night to see me. That was the and poor most me, popular I, <laughs> show, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Top of the Pops, BBC. Every week they had the um, the top 40 countdown, but they'd pick out songs that were doing well and then they'd feature them. And as you went up the charts, you'd go back every other week or so. And the first time I went on, I was outside the top 40, I remember. And it flew right in at 25. Then it went from 25 to 11, 11 to 4, with a bullet. Wow. When you have the bullet, wow. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then um, then all the legal controversy started and it was removed from the chart because, oh, Lee Perry was a Trojan artist. You know, Trojan is a big company that controls yeah, all the yeah. reggae music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somehow, Hurt So Good was sold out to Magnet Records, which is a big white company in London. Yeah. And when they are the ones who really spent the money and pushed Hurt So Good. They flew me over 
look after me, big top of the pops, all these TV shows in Europe and around, I'm like a celebrity. I mean, I lived in Holiday in for nine weeks. Yes, it was my home. And when Hertzog would reach number four, Trojan came and said, this is my song. Oh, you man. know, <laughs> Lee Perry is my artist and it's my song. Wow. That time I wasn't signed to, to Lee Perry. So I don't know. It was really a big mix up. But from that was 75 and it was like 1991 before I realized I was happening and got a lawyer and got a cent from her so good. So, you know, it, the, the, the funds of her so good really eluded me. So I'm not a rich artist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I guess that's probably why you re-recorded Hurt So Good for Magnet Records, didn't you? Um. Well. Um. When after that happened, I was working with Pete Waterman of Stock Eightman Waterman. He liked it and took it to Magnet and said, "This song is is a hit song." So with that, I suppose I negotiated. But for their album, the album that I recorded from scratch, week after week in Jamaica, as I said, I went every weekend. From it, they should have had the follow-up to Hurt So Good, but because of the suing and the controversy, Magnet didn't want anything to do with that album. So Magnet got Peter Waterman to produce a different album. So yeah. I had to re-record Hurt So Good for him. Plus, that's the song, that's the album, Doing It Her Way. Yeah, that's we, my second album. I got a copy of it right here. Yeah, on the, we're I, looking at it right now. I managed to find one. I've been I've been looking for a copy of Hurt So Good for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm a record the, the nerd. Album? Yeah, I'm a record the nerd, al- so I got to have the, the vinyl, you know? Well, it was re-released. It has been re-released twice on that Perry album. It was re-released the end of, not last year, the year before. But I just um, got doing it her way, and uh, I brought it here uh, to the studio so we could all take a look and well, listen to a little bit of it. It's very different in the production. Very different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lighter production. I remember going to the studio with Pete Waterman and a whole lot of musicians, and he'd say, you know, come on, lads. We're going to play imagine to reggae. And everybody would just start to bounce and play, but it's a different feel. Sure. But Pete Waterman has become such a big-time producer. I, I didn't even know people knew. I don't, let's play that record. But a lot of people seem to like tracks from this album and consider it, well, in London. It's, it's completely different from Lee Perry's Hurt So Good album. It really is, right? yeah. Well, I mean, no album I've done. And... Yeah, the strings, you know, it's what they call um, sophisticated uh-huh. reggae. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of the streets. You know, Dress it up. And Perry, Perry is just the raw roots of it. Because mm. what, what people said Perry did, because of the kind of softness of my voice, you know, to put it on the heavy rhythms, the mixture that he got. That's the magic. He was, yeah, and um, he he sincerely seems to really like me and consider me, because he did a BBC interview once where he named his favorite singers, and he named me. 
Bob Marley, Curtis Mayfield, I was right up there with them, you know. So hey, he seems here. to consider yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to agree. To <laughs> so, but he was different. And I have to say in the years gone by, I've done like three albums for Arriva Records, my professor. I've done... We try to produce, I've done nine albums all together, and none of them can come up like a hurtle with our mom. You know? Well, you know, it's, sometimes you're just in the moment. And well, I, I really well. like a soulful reggae from 92. That was... I, I, oh, I really that's my worst album. Is it? I, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, that's, that's, that's not... One, that oh, that says a you. lot. <laughs> Well, you know, I remember Neil Fraser, who's my professor, saying that, you know, I'm going to call it that because you have this kind of thing in your singing. You know, kind of soulfulness, as I tell you, I'm very influenced by, like, Diana Ross and the Supremes and that kind of yeah, hero. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so, um, but for soulful reggae, he recorded that album in, like, two weeks. I'd sing off three songs in a day, and I was drinking brandy. When I sang Band of Gold, I was as tipsy as ever. That was my favorite one. <laughs> it was awful. I don't like it at all. Ay, ay. <laughs> well, well, Susan, it's been uh, nice talking to you. Uh, we gotta go. I'm just, just kidding. You you kept going for uh. Over, you do you did you ever stop? I mean, it seems pretty consistent. You, you're about well, to go people, on tour. And People think that I stopped, and if you read, like Trojan, you know, there were 50 years. Mm -hmm. Is it this year or last year? They're celebrating 50 years, and they have hurt so good on their essential Trojan album. You know, hurt so good. Well, I'm happy for that. You know, and yeah. on it, they'd have a little bio of each of the artists, and in it, they seem to feel that I just faded away, I just disappeared. But what happened is because I didn't get, like, really paid. You know, Magnet looked after me when I was in London and stuff, and they gave me an advance on their contract. But I wasn't earning, so I went back to the library. But they kept calling me. So every time somebody wanted me to do music, I'd go back, but I'd really keep my job. So sure. I used to say I'm a li I work in the library and I'm a part-time singer. So it's not until I really retired from active nine-to-five work that I really started. I couldn't find any other job because nobody wants to employ anybody when you get too old. So I went back to the singing and it has been so fulfilling for me that even at this stage I'm still recording because right now I'm still working on more music with my Canadian producer and I wrote a new album, The Girl Who Cried, oh, which wow. has a lot of kind of more 
uh, old fashioned thing there, because this producer, Mitch G. Rail in Canada, he even got an Hammond organ to get the sounds and it had live drums and stuff. to the to crowd where I'm known, like Europe and things, because I'm not, to me, I'm not that well known in the States or even in Jamaica, although Jamaica, and I was female artist of the year in 81, but, you know? Yeah, and you live in the States part-time, right? Um, I'm supposed to live in the States. I'm a resident alien, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, but I'm always... Since it's my, that's how I earn is by singing, so I'm always up and down. So I say, wherever I am is home. That's what I say, because I'm in London. I'm leaving for London soon, because I have a series of shows in Germany and around the UK. And then I'll come back, and I have to go back December, because I have a nice show with, with Madness. Oh, House wow. of Fun, the 1st of December. Wow. And I've like I've shows for next year already too, and it's like for me, I just feel when I was younger I felt inhibited and shy. Now I don't care. I just go out and do them. I just sing, and if I feel to lift my leg, I lift it. Yeah. I just feel liberated. Oh yeah, no, I've I've watched some uh, I've watched some performances uh, that are on YouTube and everything uh, from re- recent shows, and it's a joyful time, you know. It's- mm-hmm. I just enjoy myself, and you know, it's it's so nice to get the reaction from the people and all the the, the the nice comments and the write and big me up and thing on Facebook and whatnot, you know, because. I mean, most of my family don't really think much of the music because I, I don't come home with, with, with a gold mine. So they feel that it's a waste of time. But they don't, don't understand the satisfaction. Yeah. You know? Are there more because, musicians in your family? Well, my younger brother, the one who came 11 years after me, he sings too. In fact, he has joined me on quite a few shows, even in London. And he sings at weddings and stuff. And he wrote songs. He has written quite a few. Of the, even the, one of my latest Spotify's. Don't know why. Everybody seems to like because oh, I, I sing love it, it live now. Don't know why. Paul wrote it. That's Paul. Oh, wow. And my elder brother used to play guitar, and my sister used to dance and sing. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I don't know where I I, 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 I never ever knew what I wanted to be. And this career was just given to me. So I just 
you know, most people grow up, oh, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be whatever. I, up to now, I don't know what I want to be. So I was given my career. And now at this age, I just enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like somebody got blessed. Yeah, and I'm still getting blessed, you know? Yeah. Because honestly, I go into it with an open heart. It's a really rough business, you know. You have to have a tough skin. Yeah. Every time I try and stand up to my for myself and be tough, I get worse. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people I find take advantage of it because I would say, Susan, sing this and thing. And they you know, oh, they don't have this money. I say, okay, or something. And I don't feel that. I think sometimes some singers go overboard and charge too much just to show that they are. I don't know. If I can go in a small place and entertain and have a good time, it's as good for me as being on a big stage. In fact, it's even more. I prefer a more intimate setting. Like I have a show the 6th of July, the Hideaway in Streatham. That's a very nice setting. You sit. Everybody sits Uh and Uh thing, you know. And then I have the 27th of July, have a show with Boney M. I think it's only one of them, though, but, you know, from that era. Did you say and in New Orleans? Boney no, that's in Nottingham. Oh, and all okay. of them are in, 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 in um, UK and Europe. All the shows coming up that I have. Once every year, I go over, sometimes twice a year. And do my little shows and get my thrills. I eat my fish and chips and thing. Oh, yeah. I love London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I, I'm pretty sure this show is global, so if, where, where can people mm-hmm. find out about your performances? Well, um, I have a little um, EPK, electronic press kit, at susankrogan.com, and in it the shows are listed and updated. But sometimes when I'm over there, sometimes, you know, usually, well, about my work permit, when I go over there, forget another show as long as I get it added to it, you know. Uh-huh. But that's where you can find out information about me as well as on Facebook. Everything is Facebook, Facebook. I only keep yeah, I know, the Facebook. Right? I tried to Instagram and I just can't keep up. I it's tried hard. to tweet and I can't get to tweet. Yeah, me so neither. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a Twitter myself. Yeah. I just, sometimes I might, you know, put a little thing there, you know, because. Yeah. But Facebook really, to me, controls social media. I don't know. People say Instagram is a thing, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. You know, Instagram. If anybody really wants to find me, they just, you know. I think I that's the thing, like, you know. If folks want to mm-hmm. find you, you know, they find you, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I, 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 got a, I started a Twitter account, I think, maybe nine years ago. And I forgot the <laughs> password. And I never missed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else, this, this internet thing. You know, people, that's why I, I turn off. I don't really keep my phone on in Messenger because people just call me and I don't know who it is. Yeah. Sure. You know? That's a real common thing, I think, nowadays, you know? Yeah, and sometimes I have some real creepiness going on. So, well, I'm nice to everybody, but 
I get myself in trouble every now and then. By saying something or people think you're not being nice to them or you don't them and yeah, boy. Anyway, what to do? Yeah, what to do? I just what to do? I say just keep on doing what you're doing because it seems to be working. And yeah, because I mean, for me to um still keep going. You know what is amazing though? I suffer from sciatica. A lot of people when they get older they have this sciatica thing. Yeah, this yeah. pain in the leg and now I have this pain in my wrist and my knee and thing. It's you see when young. I get on that eh? Yeah, it's getting younger and younger nowadays too. Uh, my best you know, <laughs> our good bud Andrew. The amazing thing is I never ever feel a pain while I'm singing. As I get that mic and go on that stage and your little kind of apprehension passes, I don't feel any pain. I whine and go up and whine and come down and enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I get back to the hotel the night now, I just drop down and say, Hi. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> you know what that means, Susan. You gotta you can't stop singing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you just gotta sing forever. Mash up and get muscle contractions, so I try to make sure I have Gatorade or someone else drinks a lot, you know? Because, you know, you lose a lot of water on stage. Yes. This... It keeps me fit. Oh, yeah. Do you have any, like, uh, pre show, you know, rituals? Like, do you do you eat? Do you not eat? Like, like what do you do before I... a show? I used to not eat because. When you sing, you know, when you and sing, you're taking air and you can't be burping, burping in the middle of the, the singing. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't eat. But what started to happen to me now, because earlier on, now if I'm older, I'm more active on stage than before. So mm-hmm. one show, my head started to swim. I hadn't eaten from like lunchtime. I had a little thing. And the heat in the place and the sweating, I saw the body kind of moving in front of me and I turned to the, I said, I don't feel good. I had to leave and come off stage and I got me a sweet drink and I ate a little biscuit and thing and smelled some alcohol to go back out and finish the show. So they say, I have to eat. So what I do now, I eat not right before, mm-hmm. but I, I have to eat. And you don't eat peanuts, certain things you don't eat. You don't have anything too cold with ice mm. and stuff like that. But I do eat a little something because you, you lose your energy. Or a, a little B12 pill will help you too. Oh, it's, it's that's hard a good tip. work, you know. People think you just run out and it's wonderful. <laughs> no, <laughs> you work yeah. hard. You yeah. have to prepare for that show, rehearse that show, and go out on that stage and deliver every time. Yeah. So if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're not able to. So you have to be fit enough. And I used to run through my set every night for like a month coming up to a show, you know, but I cannot do it anymore. All I want to do is lay down <laughs> in my bed and flick my channels on my teeth, yeah. you know, so... But I try, and it's really nice. Yeah. I find a lot of fun in it. 
those. And it's like I play out this fantasy in my head that I had from as a little girl when I used to picture myself being like a Diana Ross. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, me too, you know. Uh, it's yeah. You too? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I love you. You know, I play bass along to uh, Supreme songs all the time, you know, and try and sing along, you know, so a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Well, Susan, it's, I think we, we're about to wrap it up here. But, um, uh-huh. Those are great tips, though, for singing, like, um, and, and just performing in general. Um, yeah, that, that was re- real helpful stuff for aspiring singers. Yeah, I you think. have to make sure that you have energy to, you kind of wilt halfway. That's why when you, you're preparing your set, you may have up tempo and you tone it down with a slow so you get to revive and then you come back again and just, and what you find is that, I remember once I went on a 34 city tour with a band called the Slackers. I know the Slackers, and after, yeah. yeah. After like the first two shows, I cried, I said, I cannot do this. You know, you just sing. By the time you finish singing, you get in the bus, you travel, you reach sometimes, you barely, you know, it's very taxing. But by the middle of it, it was just going bam, bam. And when the tour ended, I, I missed it. So you have to, to make sure that you are fit and ready. And most of all, if you don't really love what you're doing. You know, a lot of people think being a singer so nice and glamorous, you get money and you're rich and famous and things. It is blooming hard work, and so I see a lot of singers. You see what happens to them with the drugs and thing and the dead off and things like that? It's rough. So you have to temper it so you can't overdo it. That's why I'm glad that I have stayed kind of on the outside and come in and do and then retreat and come in. I don't just let the music take me over. I take what I what I can from it. Because it will destroy you, I'm telling you as much as you love it and how beautiful it is. It is a very demanding um career and it takes a lot out of you. But the end result, you know, the music and the music is forever. The music will be there even years after. It's true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you know I tell Tell them that even my brother, my bigger brother is a doctor, he's a urologist. But in, in he's what now? Tell him something. In 30 years, he's gone. In 30 years, people might still hear, don't you know that it hurts so good? <laughs> it hurts so good. You know, so me and my little self, I don't have no degree, I don't have nothing, but. Yeah. You're, you're immortal I'm so now. Happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. You know? Yeah. You know, something good was given to me, and I'm, oh, I appreciate the good and the bad and the ugly of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got yeah. in touch with me and wanted to speak to me? It's not wonderful. It is. Yeah, yeah, I'm so I'm so happy that we got to have this conversation. Yeah, you know, I was listening to you in the lab today. I had school all day, but I was listening to your your records, uh, you know, via my computer, you know. But um, mm-hmm. but 
uh, man, it was. I I just love your voice. I love your songs. I, and I love talking to you. You're you're an amazing woman. Yeah, it's I'm, it's a pleasure. I'm my father's daughter. My father's a chatterbox, you know. It's <laughs> 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 a minister's. He can talk up a storm. You know, my father is still alive. He's a hundred and four, and wow. his wow. mind is a sharp or not sharper than mine. Cause I forget things. He he forgets nothing. And he talks a lot. So I've always loved, like, literature and poetry and I write. I can write. I've always been writing. In fact, I wrote quite a lot of, what did I call my book again? I can't remember now, but I lost it on the blooming computer. Yeah, so uh-huh. I chat a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd love to write all my story because it has been... Something else, I'm telling you. Yeah, you should. I believe um, it. I mm-hmm. hope you do. Yeah, I've had some experiences, I'm telling you. Poof. Too much. It would take a two weeks. Because I did an interview in Jamaica the other day, you know, and we didn't get to half talk about, you know, because sometimes you talk about something straight, so you digress to a different thing, and then you just don't get back to what you really were seeing. Right. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. But I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I have more that I want to do. I'm still, and I write a lot of songs, and my greatest wish is that somebody famous would sing one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'd retire gracefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, oh, God. Yeah, man. well, we'll be looking forward to your book. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to see you perform someday. Uh, depends on. Yeah. Are you coming the, stateside any, any times? Or I, I guess I, I, I should say uh, to the West Coast anytime soon. You know, that's that's. At what? Are you uh, are you coming to uh, uh, the west coast of the United States anytime soon? You know, like uh, California or Oregon or Washington. You know, um, last year, the band that backed me up in for my European shows was from California, hmm. um, the Debonairs, and mm-hmm. they invited me to California. Well, a member of the band was sick, but I think they're back out again now, and they said I should wait till November. They're going to see if they organize something. You know, so who knows? And um, Jump Up Records in Chicago, Chuck Wren, I performed in Chicago once, and I was in Hawaii with Mad Professor. And so who knows? But I don't have to be back in London in the November, so maybe. Who knows? Okay. Well, we'll, yeah. be, we'll be keeping watch. And Yeah, we'd love to see you out here, you know. Thank you so much for your time, Susan. And, yeah. Uh, it was lovely talking with you. Yeah, it was a real yeah, pleasure. Yeah, and um, if I am able to get you a um, Hartzogood LP, you know, you send me your address and... I'll send it over from London. Sometimes oh, I can go God. in the company and get some, you know. Oh, that would be amazing. And I can also give you my latest one, The Girl Who Cried. Ooh. <laughs> it's a song, The Girl Who Cried. It has on Don't Know Why. 
And it has on Don't You Burn Your Bridges. I re-recorded some of, couple of the tracks from Perry's album. Wow. Oh, wow. Right? Great. And I have an album called Chemistry of Love that I produced with my brother, Paul. Cause oh, wow. I got so cheated that we tried to produce ourselves, but it's not easy to do. Like, you're not no. in the business. You don't know what you're doing. You just can't make it. You, have, you really have to be in the business to work it, you know. So I have that album, Chemistry of Love, and I saw it. Let me tell you, somebody had it selling for 500 pounds. Oh my goodness! <laughs> on um online, and I have, I don't know how it where it's from or how. Oh boy, I don't know. One word <laughs> business, yeah. Yeah. It's just good thing that ah uh, I've survived, and I hope I can keep going for another. I say I'll retire at seventy, so. I have two wow. years to go. Wow. All right. Wow. All right. Well. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <man. laughs> All righty. All right. Thanks for getting in touch and, and wanting to talk. And I wish you all the best with your, um, what is it, podcast? Yeah, 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 you got it. Yeah, you'll fix up and you'll play some music, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah definitely. Play. We'll, uh, like... Uh, We'll go back and maybe play little bits of all the songs you talked about, and uh, mm-hmm. and we already played through several songs before we talked to you. So, oh, okay. Yeah. But if you need any, you can. Um, I can send you MP3s of like some that you can't find. Oh, yeah. my music is hard. It's like piece of my heart. Take a little piece of my heart. Was my big Jamaican hit. Yeah, so much, very good. Susan. Thank, and you, thank Susan. you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. You have a lovely night. Good night. You too. Night, night. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, bye. Bye bye. That just took me into another world. Right? Man. Yeah. That was... Susan, what a woman. Yeah, it's great to get some insight so on her kind. life. Yeah, she's super cool. What a sweet lady. Yeah. Full of great stories and great advice, uh, and uh, yeah, just a lovely person. All right, well, thanks, Jason. Oh yeah, sorry. I, didn't, I wanted to ask so many questions, but bef- like right as I would think of it, one of you would just ask it and be like, all right, I'm just gonna sit here and I'm yeah. just gonna listen to this story. I want to hear this answer. Yeah, your, yeah. The, your aura is coming through on the headphones. Yeah, and it's it was like, great to just like sit there and listen. I'm right there with you. Can you hear me breathing? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right, bye guys. Bye. Later.
Well, uh, now we can all cross find out more about Susan Cadogan off our bucket list. We did it together and I'm glad we did. Um, she in fact did send me her new CD, The Girl Who Cried. It's well worth adding to your collection. I've been listening to it on repeat lately. It has a real old school vibe and her voice sounds as fresh today as it did back then. Um, kind of a two-tone vibe on this album, honestly. And uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of one of my favorite tracks from that album right now. It's called I Don't Want Anybody But You. You can order it from her website, susancadogan.com. Late last month, my wife brought a third little girl into our family, and so this episode goes out to our new baby, Penelope. I have a feeling that she's going to bring a lot of fun into the mix. The next episode features a band I've been following closely since I first heard them as a teenager. I'm talking about Soul Junk. I crush like a lobster, the size of Loch Ness. Credit card slipped in and popped your address. Now you. Soul Junk is a stylistically amorphous gospel group from California. And I got to interview their frontman, Glenn Galloway, in his own Singing Serpent Studio, located in San Diego. Yeah, the early Soul Junk was just very much just like, let it rip, let it roar. Um, way too Christian for the weirdos, way too weirdo for the Christians, you know? If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, I hope you're having a great summer. Please tell a friend about this episode if you enjoyed it. And if you want some free swag, I will mail you a button and a sticker. Just send an email to lowprofilemarkley at gmail.com. Also, we have a Patreon account set up if you want to send us a few bucks every now and then. Um, that can be found at lowprofilepodcast.com. Till next time, one love. Blow up your oscilloscope, ask the Pope. Cause true religion speaks to those with no hope. And bootstrap believers bring just enough rope to let you drop. When you hit the point that you can't cope, y'all can't.